So we're in a chapter called Into Action, and they're going to start laying that out for us. So it says, having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? How many of you made a personal inventory and were concerned about what you were going to do about it? Some of you? How many of you had no idea how to make a personal inventory and whoever showed you how to do it already had a plan for what you were going to do about it? So that's something we learned along the way. That's why they have a thing called sponsorship or mentorship or spiritual guide or whatever, somebody to help us as we try this thing for the first time and what have you. Does that make any sense? Okay. All right, so then it goes on to talk about their attitudes and ideas. We've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator, and to discover the obstacles in our path. Is that what you've been trying to do? Some of you are on board, and some of you are wanting to know what's coming next, right? So, so half of the original fellowship were atheists or agnostics. So it's important to know that even though they were atheists or agnostic when they began, they are now ready to get a new relationship with a creator that they not so long ago didn't believe in. Does that make sense? So what, we, we, we embrace the atheists and the agnostic here, but we don't leave them there. We introduce them to power. We point out the power in and through them. And then as they move through the process, they act their way into better thinking. There's another book that speaks of do not conform to the ways of this world, rather be transformed through the renewal of your mind. And so this is going to embrace that. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says that we've admitted certain defects and we've ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We've put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. So how many of you have done an inventory? Good percentage of you. How many of you got a finger on the weak items in your personal inventory through that process? Okay. So what is the trouble? What is the trouble in a rough way? Right? What else did I hear? I heard someone say fear. There's no wrong answer here. What did you discover about you that was blocking you from becoming a better version of you? All kinds of things. So that may not be a defect, but at least I'm learning, okay, I can't, I can't be this guy and this guy at the same time. Right? So I'm going to have to pick a path. Okay? All right. So then it says, now these are about to be cast out. This requires action on our part, which, will, which, when completed, will mean that we've admitted to God. When I say God, what do you say? Power. That's right. We've got to help the atheists and agnostics understand that when we speak of God, we're not talking about a religion or a theology. We're talking about an experience of power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in. Yes? Okay. So we've admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our defects. So the exact nature is whoever pointed out fear as one of the characteristics that we've identified. The nature of all our manifestations is fear. I doubt who I am and whose I am, and so a self-manifest to either convince you I'm something or to convince me I'm something. And all of a sudden I find myself not being authentic. Does that make sense? Okay, so we're going to chase back to that, and then we're going to start moving forward so we can catch those manifestations of self, hopefully in the thought phase, yes? Okay. So this brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. This is perhaps difficult, 
especially discussing our defects with another person. So how many of you, looking at the steps on the wall over the years, found the idea of the fifth step difficult? Probably everyone, if they're honest. I'm not telling them nothing. <laughs> or I'm not telling them that thing. Any of you relate to that? No, that's going to the grave with me. Your trip to the grave will be expedited if you maintain that attitude. I was told when I first came, get to God or get to God, Joe. So those things are obscuring my consciousness of the power within. Okay, so we think we've done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. So how many of you have had a similar idea that you did enough just admitting it to yourself, no one else need know? How many of you found that wasn't exactly true? Okay, and so what they said is there's doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. So they're just telling you, they're confirming your experience. What happens when I think I just keep it to myself and do better next time? How many of you discovered a reoccurrence of the same offense? <laughs> and you may have it even after you've admitted it, but we become more and more aware, don't we? And we spend more time seeking power to do better, don't we? Power to be kinder than we feel. Power to be whatever we're trying to get. Okay. All right. So many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We'll be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. Is that you? I may be willing to discuss it, but you're going to have to tell me why. And I can't tell you why you should do it, but I can tell you that I once thought and felt as you do, but I doubt I'd made much progress had I not taken action. But here's the steps I took. Here's what I experienced as a result. And if you want what I have, and you're willing to go to any lengths to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. Does that make sense? So it's, now it starts to sound like we, we're fitting in their experience, doesn't it? Okay, so the best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. So the first thing you want to ask yourself is, did I come to recovery to overcome my addictions? Yes. Or are you here just resting? How many of you came here for a rest stop before? How many of you came here for a rest stop and didn't know you were here for a rest stop, but later found out you had just parked for a minute? So I'm going to always have to challenge my own thoughts that would limit me to slow my growth so that I can continue to move forward because moving forward is not always the easiest path, it's just the right path. Does that make sense? Okay. So, so then it says the best reason first if we skip this vital step we may not overcome drinking. Time after time newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Does that sound anything like you? So I always was taught that everyone after Dr. Bob's a newcomer. So all of us, no matter even Paul, who was here just three days after they invented rope. <laughs> even Paul is a newcomer by this definition. Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they've turned to easier methods. How many of you have turned to easier methods in order to avoid confronting your own fears? How many of you got high? How many of you acted out other ways? Create, okay. 
So it says almost invariably they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. Have you ever had that going on? You had it all going on, and then you're doing everything you thought you were supposed to do, and then one day, whoops. Yeah, or something, right? Yeah, I, sometimes I didn't land on my face, but I generally landed somewhere bad. Um, so did anyone ever explain to you there is no rest of the program? Because a lot of times we're not very clear about that. See, when I make that third step decision, I make that decision with the creator of the universe who dwells in me. And I agree at that point that as long as I have breath in my lungs, I will advocate for my brother and sister. So there is no rest of the program as long as I'm sucking air. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, we think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. How many of you have been told that an important part of cleaning your completing your house cleaning is not step four or even step five, it's step 12. It isn't until I go put to what I thought, put to use what I thought was a wasted past and use it to alleviate suffering for others that I have converted that experience into purpose. I have to participate in God's plan. All things together for my good, for those who love the Lord, another book talks about. So what I got to do, everything that I thought was a waste was all to purpose as long as I'll participate in the plan. But the house isn't clean until I've used that musty pass to help another. Does that make sense? Okay, so it says they took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. How many of you got through, worked with people, but still had a grievance towards mom, dad, an ex? Just held on to it. How many of you found that you still continued to suffer? That you weren't able to make the progress you wanted until you asked for forgiveness for them and empowered to offer it through you? Right? And, and that usually comes after somebody else broken, as I was once broken, says, I'm so broken. And I said, well, let's pray, and then let's talk about the grace that we're sharing in this moment, yeah? We don't ever want to forget to pray with these people, because if they don't know it's okay to pray, how will they know? Half of us were atheists or agnostics in the beginning. I, I'm not a healer in myself, but I got a healer dwelling in me, and I guess a whole room full of you do, and we, we, we got to consult the spirit in order to be effective. Make sense? Okay. So they only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves. They put the word thought in italics. They're very intentional in this book. They did that because they wanted you to pay attention. Again, I don't think my way into better acting. I need to act my way into better thinking. I cannot think myself humble. In fact, if I think I'm humble, I've lost my humility. Does that make sense? How many of you have thought you were a very selfless individual and to prove it, put a selfie on you doing whatever? Okay, so, so we all know it. we can laugh about it without laughing at people, but we, getting rid of self is very difficult. The minute I become aware of self, there I am. So it's going to require a power greater than me to get rid of self. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so then it says, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. All's in italics. Why'd they do that? 
Yeah, they wanted to emphasize it, and I think they wanted to call our attention to our life has not been played out yet. When I turned my will and my life over to the care of God, that's when I started to live. That's not, right? I started the process of dying to self and living for God. And in that process, I started unpacking those things that were holding me back. So I haven't told all my life story. In four, all I did was get armed with the facts about myself, what I was like, what happened, what I'm like now. And now my sermon is to walk out and have you notice what I'm like now rather than me tell you. And when you ask me, how come you're like that? You were a real shit show, Joe. Well, I got God. He sees to it I'm less of a shit show. Does it make sense? Still got nothing to do with me. Thy power, thy love, thy way of life. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says, more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. Any of you relate to... Where's my meth addicts? You guys had at least two, right? In any given moment. Cocaine, you don't get a pass. You guys too. He's very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. So any of you have a persona that you enjoy? Yeah? How many of you got, got to the situation that qualified you for new freedom by having a persona you enjoyed? Yeah. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but he knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. So they're talking about the internal struggle. They're talking about a sensory experience between who I know myself to be, who I desire to be, and how I'm acting in this terrible conflict within me. Any of you relate to that? Okay. The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. How many of you can relate to having sprees? (laughs) How many of you had to review the media footage? And have you ever been told about how funny you were? And you ended up in the hospital, but it was hilarious right up to that moment? Coming to his senses, he's revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they'll never see the light of day. How many of you can relate to that plan? Where'd they tell us the power was found? Deep down inside. And I'm stuffing all this garbage down on top of the power within me. Any of you relate to that plan? It's not a very good plan, but we have that in common, don't we, as a class. So then they talk to us about our states of mind and body that accompany that habit of pushing those things down inside ourselves. He's under constant fear and tension, and that makes for more drinking. How many of you have let the gorilla out of the cage after a time in sobriety and found out you didn't have as much control about getting that sumbitch back in as you thought, huh? Some of you, some of you really know, huh? All right. So psychologists are inclined to agree with us. How many of you saw psychologists or behavioral health professionals along the way? I should see a lot more hands. I know where you come from. (laughs) How many of you have told them the whole truth? How many of you followed their advice? Okay, let's see what the author said. 
We've spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where we've given these doctors a fair break. We've seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. This is why, as peer-led organizations, as peers, we, we do not require, we do not ask for people to share their opinion. We share our experience, because we as a class are people who have spent thousands of dollars for informed medical opinions, lied to get those opinions, and then ignored the results. Yes? So what we talk to you about is, I once thought and felt as you do, but I doubt I'd made much progress had I not taken action. This is the action I took. This is what I experienced as a result. If you want what I have, and you're willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. And we use them right back to how it works, right? And then it starts to make sense, doesn't it? Like there's a logical reason why I'm doing this. Why would I do an inventory? Well, because my consciousness has been obscured by calamity, pomp, and worship. And I need to access to power. I need to feel the power. It needs to be sensory and tangible on me all the time because I don't live well abstinent. So I need to feel my ease and comfort from within. So I'm doing this inventory, and then I'm telling the story, and then I'm making amends to get more fit spiritually. Okay? So it says, unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. How many of you found that to be true? Sometimes we don't like to think that we were dishonest, but we were dishonest about certain things. Yes? How many of you are drinkers? I got any drinkers here? Do you relate to bragging how much you were drinking, shifting to lying about how much you were drinking? I just had one. <laughs> Small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to, expect to live longer happily in this world. So do you believe that? You don't have to believe it, but you can come to believe it. This is their experience. So if I want to live long, I didn't even care when I got to recovery. I didn't care anything about long, but I would have loved a breath of happiness. So I was able to cling to, I would like to live happily in the world as long as I'm here, not hoping for long the way I've treated me. Okay, so rightly or naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. So how many of you have had a hard time asking someone to show you the process? So that's rightly and naturally, because maybe you don't understand the process or God hasn't shown you the person or something. But once God shows you the person, how many of you couldn't tell anybody until all of a sudden you found yourself telling somebody a whole bunch? So it's interesting. When ready, we move. Yeah? All right. So, so those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must, and of course will, want to go to the properly appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. So if you have a religious practice of confession, by all means go to confession. But do not assume that replaced your inventory in your fifth step because there's a, a deeper dive we're going to do in the fifth step than you are going to do in your average confession. Does that make sense? And they're going to talk to us about that. Though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. Why is that? How many of you have had pending charges that you really didn't want to share with somebody because there were some real-world consequences? They're protected by the confessional. 
how many of you had were people you were working with who actually had that, and you had to surrender them to that person? So because it's about their freedom. My freedom is gained by helping them find theirs, not by knowing everything about them. I already know everything I need to know about you when you come up and ask me for help. I know who you are and whose you are. That's all I need to know. It came with the signature of the Spirit, or we don't move. Does that make sense? Okay. So we often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. What is our problem? We got a problem with our thinking. Yeah, to Sean's point, when we first get here, we got a problem with continuing to do things we know to be harmful. We eventually, as we get through the inventory, we find out we have a fear problem that's causing me to block myself away from the better version of me I desperately want. Yes? Do you relate to that? Okay. So it goes on to tell us a little bit about the experience of working with religious folks. Though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk to someone ordained by an established religion. We often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. So you may find a pastor, a priest that sees what's up with you and understands it. But of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. How many of you have had the experience of encountering people who do not understand alcoholics? My ex-wife. <laughs> How many of you were surprised where you found people who did not understand alcoholics? In AA. <laughs> you get what he's saying? How many of you have met the people in AA that tell you, look, if you get a year, then I'll sponsor you? <laughs> if I could get a year, I wouldn't need you. <laughs> I'm unlikely to live a year. I, all I'm getting at, how many of you have tried to work with somebody and then they behaved as an addict and it just was maddening and you were angry at them? So we don't have to look any further than our own nose at someone who does not understand al alcoholics. We're incomprehensible. I mean, we may be the finest person in the world. We get a drink in us and we're not. You guys know what I'm talking about? How many of you are doing really good? And then you hit the pipe once and... Now you look like the guy at the car wash. <laughs> Apparently there's a few of you here. Yeah. Yeah. So the only way I'm going to know to help is to seek guidance, because I was sent to him for reading. God would never send me to something that he didn't empower me to deal with. I'm there. A need meets a need, right? Okay. Um, if we could, cannot or would rather not do this, we search our acquaintance for a closed mouth understanding friend. So how many of you realize that as you're growing and you're helping others, that's what you're trying to grow into as a closed mouth understanding friend. The goal of 12-step recovery is not abstinence, although people think that's it. Because it doesn't say having become abstinent as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message. It says having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. And the spirit empowers me to be quiet, to be kind, to be tolerant. It empowers me to be that closed mouth understanding friend. Does that make sense? And how many of you have to admit when you first got here you were not terribly closed mouth or understanding? How many of you have grown into it? You'll notice in the steps it says God as we understood him. That's not the same as God of your understanding, no matter how many times people falsely teach that. That is not true. 
God as we understood him. The first 100 are we. They talk about the experience of power, peace, happiness, sense of direction. And the reason it says understood in italics is the God I understood then is not the God I understand today because I have received his understanding through me. That's part of growing. Go ahead and share that little nugget at your home group. It's the truth. You can read it in the book over and over and over. Most people don't know there's like words in this book. Yeah, you, you put a lot of money in it. No one will ever look, huh? That's it's hollowed out. Okay, so if we cannot or would rather not do this, we search our acquaintance for a closed mouth understanding friend. Perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. It may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose to our wives or our parents to our, anything to our wives or parents which will hurt them or make them unhappy. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand, yet be unaffected. So even if you're working with somebody close, if what you are going to share with them is going to be hurtful, you have to recuse yourself from that. You guys taking people through the step, if you know something they're telling you is going to bother you, or when they tell you it changes your idea of them, you need to recuse yourself. Surrender your will. Does it make sense? So I'm trying to grow in understanding and effectiveness. So the process of growing in understanding and effectiveness is finding people who understand and are not effective, and then trying to walk past my own judgment so that I can start helping others without judgment. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says, notwithstanding the great necessity for discussing ourselves with someone, it may be that one is so situated that there is no suitable person available. Yep. Do you think that's true in Phoenix, Arizona today? <laughs> Sounds like the voice of experience. <laughs> How many of you have been in jail and did not want to have anything written down that could be discovered? discovered? So it's entirely possible that could happen. How many of you have just been in treatment situations, home situations, where you did not want to risk a loved one, a family member, seeing what you were writing, and you had a fear around that? Yeah. So there's any number. It doesn't matter what fears are holding you back. I'm not here to empower those fears. I'm here to help you when you're ready to grow. Does that make sense? And, and provide you an alternative. In other words, if you're not ready now, then you'll be ready sometime, because that's just the way we are. Maybe not with me, but with somebody else. Um, so if that, that is so, the step may be postponed only, however, if we hold ourselves in complete readiness to go through it as the first opportunity. So if fear is holding them back, it's okay to say, look, move on your own pace. We do that all the time. But make sure, since you made this commitment in three to the power within you, that you are ready to move forward at the first opportunity. Because remember, you didn't make that promise to me. You made that promise to the power to live within you. Does that make sense? And it's okay to talk to them straight. Guys, one of the reasons we're not as effective today as we were back then is we don't tell them the truth. And the truth has a name. Um, so we say this because we are very anxious that we talk to the right person. How many of you have been looking for the right person for, oh, five, six years? So some part of it is maybe we haven't explained it to you clearly enough, but 
all of us have that fear about being with the right person. And when you do find the right person, how many of you are ready to tell your story pretty quick? Okay. It's important that he be able to keep a confidence that he fully understand and approve what we're driving at and he will not try and change our plan. So how many of you have grown into that guy? You understand they're in their search for the truth? I support their search for the truth and I will not try and change their plan no matter how disturbing that plan may be to me. I don't have to participate in the plan, but I'm not going to try and talk you out of I've got to sell the last of my fentanyl before I sober up because I need the money for my new adventure. No? But we must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. So we will know the ones who are ready by the fact that they're ready to go sometimes, and you'll know you're ready when you're not wasting time getting through the process. I've had people that said they were ready and they clearly were not ready. But, so that's up, up to us if we're working with somebody, but for the individual who's making the decision, if you really are ready and you say, okay, get me started, then we make sure you understand the process you're embarking on and what the outcome is. And once you understand all that, we just keep moving. Make sense? Okay. So, we have written inventory and we're prepared for a long talk. So when someone tells me they're ready and they don't have a written inventory and they're not prepared for a long talk, what does that tell me? They're not really ready. We still need to talk about a step two experience or a decision, right? The third step decision requires that I've encountered power in two, tangible power, because I'm not going to do anything fearlessly, because that doesn't mean without fear. It means willing my way through fear. Does that make sense? So I'm going to have to have a power greater than me operating through me to move forward. We explain to our partner what we're about to do and why we have to do it. How many of you, when you first got ready to do your first inventory, could have explained to the person who's helping you what you were about to do and why you had to do it? We may or may not know, right? If we've read the book, we've been to enough step studies, we may know and we may now be convicted. But in the time they wrote this book, most people didn't. That's why they learned that you needed a human connection to impart this experiential thing. Yeah? Okay. We explain to our partner what we're about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we're engaged upon a life and death errand. Most people approached in this way will be glad to help. They'll be honored by our confidence. How many of you are working with others in the recovery world? How many of you are honored when someone comes and asks you to help them? To a person. How many of you are thinking about going through the process and you really kind of daydream sometimes about having people coming to you and asking for help and actually being able to offer real help almost to a person? This is, this is a reason for living, right? It's a, it's a condition. We're, we're meant to be in community. We're meant to help one another. Um, so it says we pocket our pride and go to it. They're drawing a mental picture. How many of you have done a fifth step? How many of you were desperately afraid that that person taking you through it was going to think less of you when you told your story? So it's not, a, it's not an exaggeration to say we have to pocket our pride because I've got a risk that this person is not going to like me when I tell them who I really am. But if I don't, I will never know what authenticity is and, and what I have to offer to the world, will I? 
Okay. All right, so illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. So you've got to unpack that. They tell us of an experience on the other end, but they give us a condition. What was the condition? I have taken a fifth step, withholding nothing. And the outcome of that is I am delighted. How many of you went through a fifth step and you don't know that you would describe it as delight, but whoever took you through pointed this out and said, I feel you. We owe them that. I was so dead in the spirit when the guy took me through the process that he told me that, that you just felt, that little bit of clarity, that's the power we call God. And had he not done that, that moment would have missed me. It's so important that we let them know. Why, why am I awakened? Because any time the Spirit moves in them, I know. But not if I'm not awakened. And I can't transmit what I don't have. Does that make sense? Okay. So we can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. You know that you've done well in your fifth step if you can hold your head a little higher, if you can be alone at perfect peace and ease. And if that is not your experience, that doesn't mean you didn't do it right. There's some other things we'll go over tonight that maybe, how many of you did a fifth step and you just were still saturated in crap because of what you dug up? Anybody? Felt worse because you discovered you relived? How many of you are afraid to do a fourth step and a fifth step because you know you've been through trauma and you don't want to go through it again? Okay, guys, you never outgrow trauma until you own it, repurpose it, and use it to help another. That's, that's all I want you to understand. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just Okay. So our fears fall from us, and we begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. See how they're talking about a tangible, sensory experience? See how they're not talking about light bulbs, doorknobs, groups of drunks, any of the silly nonsense we've heard in our fellowships over the years. I feel the nearness of my creator. Why? Because deep down inside every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea. And sometimes we have to search fearlessly, but he's there. So I find my power and purpose within me. They're linked. Does that make sense? We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. It's so vital. It doesn't matter what you believe. Half the original fellowship were believers dying in their alcoholism. But when they had their encounter with the living God and he moved through them and they got armed with the facts and agreed to bear witness for the rest of their life of the redemptive power available in them and through them, they got well and so did thousands of others. And that's the story of this book. Does that make sense? The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. So how many of you did a fourth step and then a fifth step and thought, that wasn't so bad? And then did nothing. No making of amends. Didn't want to work with anybody because you didn't want to screw them up. Any of you, who didn't work with somebody else and show them what you've been shown because you didn't want to mess them up? I know you. So I'll tell you what they told me. Joe, you cannot fuck them up any worse than they already are. Go to work. Guys, you guys laugh at what I'm telling you, but I can assure you, I had a note from a psychologist, Sean Cena, a psychiatrist rather, that said Joe was under my care. It was like an eight-month period of time. He was 
mentally and emotionally incapable of conducting any personal business for that time. And that guy, certified by the courts to be that disabled, is here every day trying to help all the rest of you get well. So we feel we're on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. So that's pretty specific, huh? Yeah. I'm going to find out if I can be alone at perfect peace and ease in this one hour. Right now, I'm going to be able to see where I really am because it's important to see where I really am. I don't want to keep being that guy who tells you what I think you want to hear and I'm not really there, but I, maybe you'll like me if I tell you what you want to hear. Any of you been that guy? You don't have to do that once you've entered the realm of the Spirit because you can't lie to me without my permission. If you're lying to me about the experience you're having, I will know because I'm having it with you. I may know it before you do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so there's no point. We can lay that dishonesty down because it doesn't work in the realm of the Spirit. Okay, so carefully reviewing what we've done. What have we done? I've tried to get armed with the facts about myself. I've looked at the calamities, the pomps, the worships, those things that obscured my consciousness of the good within me, yes? It says we thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. The first step in recovery is what? We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were. That admission of powerlessness, of hopelessness, of complete defeat now I'm going back and re-upping on that. We thank God from the bottom of my heart. I can't do that based on a lie. And I now am talking to an experience within me and not somebody else's theology. Right. I went from religion to relationship in this process. Does that make sense? Okay. Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. So we're going to do that in a minute. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we've omitted anything. For we're building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? So see how they're reviewing? We're going to go review. But remember I asked you if any of you came out of your fifth step feeling dirtier than you went in? Because that happens. Well, that's why we're going to do the review. Because there's something about what happened in those first five steps that I'm missing. Or it wouldn't have, I wouldn't still be feeling that way. I'd be feeling delighted. I'd be okay being alone. Does that start to make sense now? It's a, this is a very simple operating manual for a very complex machine, the human mind. And this experience allows me to check my thinking and emotions against their thinking and emotions. And if I've been shown properly, then I can see where I am. And if I need to go re-up on my encounter with power, I do that. If I need to re-up on my decision, I do that. If I need to tell a little more in my story, I do that. Does that make sense? Okay, are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put in the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? If we can answer to our satisfaction, we then look at step six. So we're gonna have to go back to five before we can look at six because we're gonna have to look at page 59 because this is my first time in Sean's chaperoning me. So page for... 15 years now. Um, 59 says, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. What does powerless mean? You ever had an electric tool, like an electric drill, and pulled the cord out of the wall? 
It doesn't mean a little bit of power. It doesn't mean less power. It means powerless. It means no power. I may still have a drill, but it don't drill. Now it's a hammer. Okay, powerless when? Yeah, because the insanity of addiction begins before the first drink. Does that make sense? So I, I'm powerless all of the time, but I now have gained access to power, and the secret to gaining access to power is seeking that guidance and direction from within. Does it make sense? Okay. So that, that our lives had become unmanageable. Notice how they separated that. They made me cop to it in one, but they didn't disclose to me what the unmanageability looked like till two. Shall we review? Let's go to page 52. See if you relate. Or is it 50? No, it's 52. I told you it was my first time. So middle of the page 52, we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. So how many of you have discovered that? How many of you discovered it after you sobered up? How many of you discovered all your problems did not go away after you sobered up? Okay. So then it goes on to say that we couldn't control our emotional natures. How many of you had that discussion? See, this is the thing we got to tell people. We're not treating your addiction in 12-step recovery. The manner of living suggested in 12-step recovery does nothing for your addiction. It, it takes over your human condition. It surrenders your will to the power within you. Does that make sense? So the addiction thing, the, the, the addiction thing is what it is, but I don't need to imbibe in synthetic spirits when I'm living in a state of spiritual inebriation and I know how to seek more when I need it. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says we were prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. How many of you have lived in that terrible space? A feeling of uselessness. How many of you have been sober for a period of time and went through those things? Probably everyone that's been sober for a period of time. That's why a lot of people don't stay sober after a period of time. Because if you're not encountering power and you're not growing in the spirit, as your life goes on, you will find that it is untenable if you indeed are an addict of the hopeless variety. Um, so it says we were full of fear, we were unhappy, we couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. So it's a very important component. What we got to do with all of you guys that come to New Freedom is we start talking to you about who you're helping on the yard long before you, we agree to bring you here. Why? Because we know the suffering you'll go through if you don't start thinking of others. Does that make sense? And everything about your experience here is help your brother and sister. Yes? Okay. Same in recovery fellowships, guys. And yes, we're imperfect, and yes, we screw it up, but the reality is I don't really need to worry about how the rest of you are behaving. I need to watch my thoughts and emotions and own them. And then the rest will take care of itself. Okay. So, was not a basic solution to these bedevilments more important than whether we should see newsreels of lunar flight. So, that's what I'm copying to in one, but I don't get it disclosed to me till two. My unmanageability is my inability to leave it alone because the illusion of control produces an insanity in me and I need to go get ease and comfort and I know where to get it. Does it make sense? Okay, so we're back to 59 because... Sean told me to be. I lost it. 
for some reason. And I'm in step two. And it says, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So that's a hope step. See how they're implying a process. We came to believe. I had to go through certain things to come to believe. Does that make sense? There's a sanctification process. There's a, there's a using the power to help others process. There's a getting honest with myself about what I'm dealing with process. Yes? Okay. Where's the power found? Deep down inside. And how do we find it? Sometimes we have to search fearlessly. And in the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. So my whole life I've been looking for ease and comfort in the world. And now as an addict of the hopeless variety, I have to know and apply the knowledge that the answers for me are in me. And my ease and comfort must come from within me because ease and comfort is transitory in the world. Yes, it comes at a price. Okay. What is sand? They said it could restore us to sanity. What's insanity, according to the authors? Yeah, in the very beginning, as Sean says, the insanity of taking the first drink, knowing your condition. What's insanity when you haven't had a drink in a long time? An appalling lack of proportion. How many of you had some, had, that's what they talk about, a, an inability to think clearly? How many of you had some clean time, and then some event, or maybe no event, and like, and now you're gone? out. Got no earthly reason why. Appalling lack of perspective. For that little instant of ease and comfort, I'm trading away everything I've built up. I know I'm talking to some people in here. <laughs> okay. So then it says, based on that encounter and that belief that I, I'm coming to believe that this power could restore me to sanity, they've defined my sanity as being able to think clearly, to have a better perspective. Does that make sense? Okay, so then based on that, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. I already talked about that. This is not a God as I understand him. This is a God as they understood him, and they understood him to be power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in. Bill talks about the cool wind of a mountaintop blowing through and through him. Very different than a God of my understanding. I'll just pick a group of drunks. I mean, you can do anything you want, but if you want to get well and if you want to use what's happened to you for a purpose, tell them the truth for God's sake. We die out there in this shit. Okay, so if three frogs are on a log and one makes a decision to jump, how many frogs are on a log? All three, because all he did was make a decision. He did not jump. So a decision in our world implies action. It's only evidenced by action. Does that make sense? So you don't need to look outside of yourself. Are you taking action to grow spiritually? No. See two. Am I taking action? Yes. See 12. And if you're on your way there, you know, pick up an eight or nine. Okay, you might want to do a little 10-11 just to wake up and get your direction, too. Okay, so there it says, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. That's what we just reviewed. So those of you that came out of a fifth step still feeling bad, how many of you did not internalize that given that you were powerless, you were in, 
it was impossible for you to do differently than you did. Not an excuse. I'm powerless over alcohol. I have the affliction of addiction. And those things empowered me to behave very badly without conscience. I cannot change the past, but I can set right the past for others simply by using that past to help others. And I can make amends for those people that are still alive and try and get them into a forgiving place based on my apparent redemption. Does that make sense? So if some of you are still clinging to, oh, I can't believe I did that or I can't believe they did that, this is your opportunity to get honest because as long as you're in condemnation of self or others, you are stuck to the event and you will not grow spiritually. Therefore, there is no condemnation. we got to move there. Does it make sense? Okay. And then, five, we admit it to God. When we say God, we admit it to power to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. And now we're at step six. And I'm going to go back to page 76. Thank you, Jim. It's a good thing you guys are here. Good Lord. Okay. If we can answer to our satisfaction, we then look at step six. So are we good with the story we've told? And if you're the person who's hearing the story, is there anything constructive you can help them with? Because if you know the flow of the Spirit hasn't come, how many of you have heard of Fifth Step? Any, any of you? A few of you? When we hear a Fifth Step and you unburden yourself of that one thing that's tethering you, a flow of the Spirit comes through you and we know. So the thing that often happens how many of you in your fifth step didn't tell that one little thing and whoever you were with said, what are you not telling me? Right. Yeah, how do you know? <laughs> we know because you are holding our hit. We are looking forward to our flow of the spirit and when you're holding back, you're holding my hit. So like any good addict, I am going to ask you for my hit what are you holding back? Can't lie to me without my permission. When you tell me, I'll know you've told him. Make sense? Okay. So, said we have, we have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. Now, willingness is an interesting thing. We are fond of telling people you need willingness, you've got to have willingness. But what they don't always tell you, and these authors are clear to tell you, is that willingness is divine power. Humans in and of themselves do not have the willingness, or we would have applied it before we got in this pickle. So in order to grow in willingness, the first thing that has to happen is it has to be imparted to you by somebody who's willing by virtue of the impartation to them. And we show you the process. Does that make sense? So the way it's imparted usually is you come into our fellowships and everyone in the world's been judging you and we say, keep coming back. We love you. We say things that drive people crazy. We'll love you till you can love yourself. You ain't got a God, borrow mine. Come on. He's big enough for both of us. Right? And we're not, we're not playing. It's real. Right? Okay. So then it says, are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted 
are objectionable, th objectionable. The entire instruction of the sixth step is contained in that sentence. Did you guys catch it? Let. So in order to let God have something, what do I have to do? I have to let go. And I can't do that as an action because it's a thought. So the only way that's going to happen is to turn my thoughts to others so that a window opens into my consciousness and I receive power greater than me. That's why I'm going to start looking at my eight-step list and my nine-step amends to go strengthen the spirit and reduce the power of the flesh so that I can be a better servant. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, if we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. See how they took the veil off? Willingness is divine power. Those of you who come from certain religious traditions, he is my righteousness. Does that make sense? This is old, old wisdom, but it's proven on people just like us. It says, when ready, we say something like this. Now, they already told you in the third step. You don't have to say the third step prayer. That's not important. If you don't talk in King James language, talk to the power within you in the way you talk, because the power in you knows how you talk. Right? So just you're trying to build relationship based on honest. They already, the creator already knows all about you. It's now for you to learn all about you. And you're going to learn all about you through helping others. Okay? So when ready, we say something like this. My creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. So by now I have discovered good and bad, have I not? Okay. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We then completed step seven. One more thing. There is no amen after the third step prayer. We've taught that for years, but that's not true because God doesn't make too hard terms on those who earnestly seek. I made a decision based on faith, and I went in with his power and got armed with the facts. And now that I know the facts, I now know what the journey is going to cost me, who I'm going to make amends to, what the amends look like, and my life in service to others. So at this stage, I'm finishing the prayer. I'm now empowered to go out and serve into my fitness steps. Yes? yes. So I need the amen on seven, not three. I'm not moving on three. I'm just 